Hey guys, what is going on? We are in the zone. This is episode 167. I'm here as always with Giancarlo Alino, Anthony Pinello. Guys, today we're actually going to kick it off on a good note. It's uh, We're going to start off with Mitch Marner. Guy's been an absolute freak. I just want to pull up the stats per month. I mean, in October, he only had three points in the first nine games. Not too good. Um, and then, of course, I just want to quickly look at January, February as a combined 35 in the last 20 games since the calendar changed to 2022. Uh, I guess I'll start with you, Piniello. As soon as we saw the calendar turn, what do you think was the big difference in Mitch Marner's game that has made him just improve offensively? Not going to lie. The only difference that I see in Marner's game is that he's shooting it a little bit more. But I will say was he was, compared to what we're used to, he was a little bit off. He was still producing points. But now, yeah, since the calendar turned, he just, he seems to be on his game. Everything seems to be clicking. He looks like the Mitch we all know and love. And uh, he's rolling right now. He's a good player, right? Oh, yeah, good pro. Uh, what happened to all the Mitchy slander that everybody uh, was spewing ever since the playoffs ended and the season started off not so strong? And I guess Mitchie took it personally, pulled a fill. You think it's my fault, and I uh, turned it around. He's a good pro. Uh, I like what he's doing. I know he got the six points on Saturday night, so obviously that factors into here, the 23 points. But even without that six-point game, he's still rolling, and uh, I think he's playing up to that contract. He's playing up to his potential. Uh, making his line mates better and uh, looking forward to see Mitchie, how he's going to close this year. Looks promising. Now, a lot of people talk about Austin Matthews as a top three player in the league this year. He's been great, but I want to show you, I want to tell you guys the statistic that proves how important Mitch Marner is, at least this season in wins in 31 of our wins this year, he has 20 goals and 52 points. And when we lose, which is 11 of the games, he has one goal and three points. So I don't want to say Mitch Marner is a top five player in the league, but well, you just did. this, but th- but this guy just he's undervalued so so much. Like I, I mean, we've been talking about Kadri, we've been talking about McDavid, we've been talking about Drysidle for majority of the year. Nathan McKinnon's taken maybe a step back this year. But in terms of Mitch Marner, when you think of production and how important he is to this team, yeah, I don't know. He might he might be scratching top five this year. I, I don't. I can't really name you five wingers that are better than Mitch Marner this season, and that, that's a guarantee. But I do want to talk about that game on Saturday. <laughs> I mean, we started positive. Now it's going to be kind of like a mixed bag. The Red Wings and the Leaps. Now I thought this game was going to be relatively fun i didn't see there being 17 goals in the game but uh alino i'll start with you the leafs were up what was it 6-1 going into the going into the third period the the detroit red wings or sorry it was 7-2 going into the third period (laughs) (laughs) 7-2 going into the third what were your initial thoughts? Because we're Leaf fans. We know that the Leafs have blown stupid leads. Earlier in the year, they blew a 5-1 lead. When, when we were up 7-2, were you – did you – now be realistic here. Did you realistically think it was done, or did you think the Leafs would pull a typical Leafs here? Oh, yeah, I thought they were going to pull up a typical Leafs. As soon as it, I saw the seventh goal and then I changed the channel, you know, went out, get a coffee, come back, and I'm looking at the score app and I'm getting all these notifications that, oh, there's a goal Detroit scored. I'm like, okay, maybe they got one back. I got another notification. They scored again. I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. They're scoring all these goals now. I turn it on. The game's really close. Detroit's scoring on every shot. And then Toronto gets one back. And before you know it, it's 10-7. I'm like, man, they just narrowly avoided a disaster. Can you imagine if the Leafs like blew this lead against Detroit? Like, we never hear the end of it. So, thankfully, they didn't. But yeah, I was kind of worried a little bit during that whole game. I think um, when it was seven-two, I'm like, yeah, we got it. It's over. So I flip back to the Raptors game because the Raps were getting killed. But I'm like, let me just watch some of the young guys, and then I get the update on my phone. I check maybe five minutes after I changed the fucking channel and I see seven five after being seven two. 
So I'm like, all right, guess we don't have it in the fucking bag. We got to go back to this bullshit and uh, go back to the game. And the Red Wings are just all over us. And <laughs> I don't know. I thought we were going to blow it uh, as they were coming back. But when I saw 7-2 initially, I'm like, yeah, like, come on. We're not losing this game. The funniest thing about this game is Mitch Marner had four goals. Austin only had one. <laughs> and and the, basically our heroes in this game was David Kampf and Andre Cache. Because if Andre Cache did not get that shorthanded goal in the third period, it, we might have blown it. And my cousin Steve might have had a heart attack. So I want to I now transition to the goaltending that night. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a goalie get pulled and then go back in the game after the fact. So I'll start with just what were your guys' first initial thoughts when you saw Nadelkovic go in, get out, Grice goes in, gets pulled, and Nadelkovic goes in again? Because, dude, honestly, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And I've been watching hockey for like 22 years. So what were your guys' thoughts on the just the goaltending performances? Just – God awful. Oh, man. It was laughable. When it was happening, I forgot who actually started the fucking game for both sides. And, like, they did it for the Leafs and we were winning. And I'm like, I don't think I've ever seen that in my life before. So, uh, it, it was just funny. It was a weird fucking game. <laughs> it was a unique day. It really was. Because a lot of teams, they do this every year where they'll have a night where they score 8, 9, 10. And the Leafs did but they don't almost blow it in the fucking fashion that they did. So having all those goalie changes on top of it, this game is one for the history books. Yeah. And then you have to identify, like if you're the coach, what goalie are you going to run with down the stretch? And I don't think they have an answer now. Uh, I know Morazic's contract, they're probably going to look at trading, but like Campbell's in the last year of his deal before the season started, everything's looking good. He's going to be the guy they're going with when Anderson leaves and, He's only uh, making a little over a million dollars, so that's a steal. And now the last few months, like before we started recording and Chris was bringing up his numbers, like, holy shit. Can you imagine his uh, agent right now probably pissed off? Like, we should have asked for the contract extension and worked that out before Christmas because, if anything, his number's going down a lot uh, with the last two months of performances that he's had. Yeah, and uh, that, that'll make me transition into Jack Campbell specifically because since January 1st, and by the way, he opened the calendar year with a 6 nothing shutout against Ottawa. So that was – he's only had – and this is the scariest part, and Pinello, this is why I really, really harp on what I'm going to say next. He only has four quality starts since January 1st. Now, I know before that he was on he was a he was a god basically. He was challenging Markstrom week after week for the save per, best save percentage in the league. Now he's not even in the top 10. He, but he still had a 917, but he had like a 941 before. We know he's not going to do that. But the fall off to about an 890 for 2 months, that to me is so concerning. Now, I'm not saying get him out of town. I'm not saying this is like, I've heard on numerous podcasts, numerous radio shows. This guy is very similar to James Reimer. This is a lovable guy in the city. You don't, no one really hates him. You, you really try and go for this guy, but the last two months have just been so, so dark. And I know the trade deadline is looming. It's coming around the corner. Jake Muzzin is now on the LTIR. The Leafs are trying to pull a Tampa. I get it. I get it, but we've been linked to names like John Klingberg, JT Miller, um, Pavel Zaka. I know you're going to laugh, but Pavel Zaka is in there just in case. A little cheaper option. What are your thoughts on the Leafs potentially going out full panic mode and potentially getting another goalie? Can you see Kyle Dubas doing that, or do you just ride out Jack Campbell this year and see what happens with the contract offers? I don't even know what he can do, though. Can he make a legit move for a number one goalie this, like at this time? I know with all the guys on the Leafs, if he really wanted to, we could. But like, I think if we do another move, it'll be a Carter Hutton-like move again. I don't see him doing anything drastic. Based off the way Campbell's been throughout the year, I think they'll ride him. 
and probably just hope that he's going to come out of his slump because the first half was magnificent. The last two months, honestly, I don't have a fucking answer. I don't know what the hell's going on. So I I would like to ride him. Uh, yeah, maybe they might get another guy for depth, but we'll see. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Like, I, If you got Flurry, like we've seen in the past when Flurry's on a similar team in Pittsburgh and... Like it doesn't always go his way. Like I know in Vegas he was unbelievable, but I think Flurry will probably likely see him go to like Pittsburgh again. Or like I know Vegas was thrown around, but I, I doubt he'll go back there. I think Pittsburgh's a likely option, but like for the least, they should just go after every forward they can, every big name offensive guy, and uh, just add scoring because you know the team you already have is gonna have uh, maybe one of these games where it's 8-6, 10-7 in the playoffs. So if you got any more offensive guys, it only helps you. So I think uh, if I'm Dubas this year, instead of going after the truculence, go after more skill. And and if you can get another top six to go into uh, like the third and fourth line, I think you're set. Yeah, I really like that move too. It's just I, think, I feel like I'm very concerned with Campbell. I know he can probably get out of this, but I mean – what two months ago we were saying that he's better than Anderson and it's not looking like that's the case, at least not right now. Um, But, you know, right now it's looking like the only two goalies that are relatively available. I have the trade bait list here and it's flurry and it's Gudobin that are the two top goalies that are on this list. So yeah, (laughs) if if I'm the Leafs, I'm, I'm not going, you, you realistically can't get flurry at this point at $7 million. But um, so Alino, you say skill, there, there's a couple intriguing names here. There's JT Miller at 5.25, which I think is an absolute steal of a contract just based off what he's been doing this year. He's exactly at a point a game with the Vancouver Canucks. Max Domi, another guy, you know, a Toronto native. Uh, I could maybe see him come in here. I know a lot of fans would love that move. I vouch for this, but again, I'm looking at the cap and I don't see it happening as a guy like a Claude Giroux or a Thomas Hurdle. I would love to see those guys here, but yeah, that's probably not happening. I'll start with you, Pinello here, because I know that our D recently, we've been allowing a shit ton of goals. And now it's not all Jack Campbell. The D as well has not relatively been doing so well. Labushkin's looking a little slow. Sandine and Lilgren, they're still making a lot of mental, like rookie type mistakes. If you're the Leafs, now the top two guys on the trade bait board are Chikrin and Chariot. If you're the Leafs, which one are you going after? Oh, Chikrin. I'll pump tires on Chikrin all day, even if they want way more than expected. For a guy like that, um, man, picture him on the Leafs. He wouldn't have to play on the top line. He can have his own unit on the second. He would get a ton of the PK time. It would basically be him and Mo going back and forth. He's still... Fuck, how, what draft was he? How old is he? Like 24, something he's like that? 20, he's the, for me, the beauty of Chikrin is he's only 23, and his cap hits at 4.6 for three more years. Yeah. Yeah, like um, I think when he had, what was it, the 17 goals in Arizona? Everyone kind of, I don't know, everyone yeah. kind of got their, I don't know what they were expecting. They're like, oh, he's going to get 20 next year, and like he plays with the fucking Coyotes. Relax. They average 2.3 goals per game. So him as a player... He's solid. He's only going to get better. Um, I'm kind of surprised the Coyotes want to move on from him. I thought he'd be literally the one guy they'd want to keep. But, you know, between the two, I would definitely go with Shaker there. Yeah, with that's a tough one because, like, for defensemen, they have Morgan Riley, uh, similar type of role, but Chikrin could add offense. But, like, they're going to probably ask, like, we want Robertson, we want, like, a few draft picks in there, uh, another high-end prospect. So you might take away too much, like depending on what the asking price is, like who else they would want from the roster to even out the money. But uh, like looking at maybe even backup goalies, maybe Jonathan Quick would be another one, him and Campbell, bring that tandem back from LA. Can't, uh, Quick's playing pretty good this year. Uh, having a nice bounce back year. He's not going to want so much money. So like Quick would be one I would maybe target uh, as LA who they would want but yeah like if you're going to coyotes you know where i'm going i'm i want phil like we'll fucking wire some money under the table to finance that new university uh parking lot get some uh top of the line amenities in there nice little treadmills and towels and performance centers in that uh university 
uh, to bring Phil back. But Chaikrin, uh, like, I think he would be good in the summer at the draft type of thing. Even Domi, like Domi would be good. It's just you're probably better off signing him cheaper in uh, July. You can reunite that line with Mitchie, with the London Knights connection. So Domi would be another one too. I don't see the Kings trading Jonathan Quick just because of the resurrection of of his play. I I, I watched the game the other night. The, the guy looked like the 2013 Jonathan Quick. Like his his whatever groin injuries he was battling, it looks like he's overcame that. It looks like he's healthy now. Because I remember, I think it was two years ago, I was saying that, what's his name? Is it Cal Peterson? I was going to say he was the starting goalie for the Kings in a really dark time. Now, dude, all of a sudden, they're in the playoffs. So uh, if, if, I, if I'm the Kings, I'm leaving Jonathan Quick there. He's, he's just – he might win the Bill Masterton, just like the comeback player of the year. Just amazing stats, what we've seen from him. But in, ter- in terms – I, I got to ask this question. Nick Robertson <laughs> – He's barely playing. He's playing six, seven minutes. If you're Kyle Dubas, are you just? Can you just send him down, or do you see him being a part of that uh, that trade package? Because man, if you're only going to play six minutes a game, I really don't know if that does anything for your development. And you can't take Bunting off the first line. He's been he's been unbelievable. Good guy. Um. <laughs> No, it's not a. Uh, it's not good for his development. It's bullshit. But um, I don't know. It depends the package he goes in. Because if we're talking a guy like Chickman, I think it's gonna have to be more than Robertson and Picks, because that's a guy that could potentially be in your top four for the next however many years. So I don't know. You think honestly? It's I don't want to say it, but do you think they'll Jeremy Bracco him? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> oh man. I want to say no, but I will say they could Andreas Janssen him, which is very similar. <laughs> it's just like an add like two years of pro experience, but I do get what you mean. I, yeah, you know what? I'll say yeah. I don't see him staying with this team unless – and I've been saying this week after week after week after week unless Kerfoot gets traded. Maybe you can put him where Kerfoot is, but other than that, just the way that the top two lines have been rolling, Nylander has been amazing – They've been flip-flopping Kerfoot and Engvall on the top six there on the second line for majority of the year. Um, I don't know. It depends because I know Sheldon Keefe really loves Mikheyev. I, I don't know if you want to maybe have Mikheyev be a healthy scratch a couple games, but we all know he'll dip if that happens. So I guess at that point, it, we got to ask ourselves, is it Mikheyev or Robertson? Which one would you rather have? And obviously it's Robertson, but as of right now, I, I really don't know if uh, – if the front office agrees with that. Yeah. Like Robertson is uh, similar to what Johnson was or Johnson. Sorry. Cause I know like just watching some of the Marley's games, like the past couple of weeks that they show on TV, like you can tell he's too good for that level. Kind of like what Johnson was, but then when they get called up, he's hardly playing. So if you're not even going to put him in your plans long-term, just put off trading him while his value is pretty high. And, get the most out of him, package him up. But um, if you start playing him, like he could realistically, before he got injured, he was already being talked about as playing with Tavares and like Marner, like those kind of guys in the top six. So it's not crazy to think he can get back to that. But if there's a guy on the Marlies I would consider moving up, it's Josh saying, get him with Tavares, get the Islander uh, connection <laughs> back, uh, give him a chance. Want to represent the country in the Olympics. I think he deserves it. So, I go hosting and try to boost up value for Robertson as long as you can up until the deadline. Hosting? I <laughs> <laughs> just want to see like four of these guys go in a Michael Grabner-like deal, and then three of them will turn out to be amazing six years later, like Carter Verhage. <laughs> oh, don't get me started on oh, that man. guy. Verhage and... Yeah, Marchment. What the hell? Guy's unreal. <laughs> Marchment forgot about that, too. Holy shit. Dude, he's looking like a Jamie Benson games. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, holy crap, we had him. No way. Oh, yeah, mm. we've struck out a couple of uh, releasing some of those guys. But, yeah, Nick Robertson, he brings some value. I don't want to say Bracco because Bracco, at the time, yeah, he brought value, but – 
he was undersized. Uh, you know, he, he did have the stats. Robertson has the stats. I, I can see the similarity in terms of like stats in the AHL, but I think Robertson, what we saw two years ago when he was in the Columbus series, I think yeah, he can, yeah. uh, I think he could bring it, man. I just think he hasn't had that opportunity yet. And if I'm Nick Robertson and maybe his agent, I know he had a setback in October when he broke his leg. Um, or I think it was last year he broke his leg. I don't remember when, but it set him back quite a bit. Now, I don't know if Dubas wants to be patient because we all know the Leafs are not patient. We've been trading first-round picks for years now. I don't really know what you – I really don't know what you want there, but – yeah, it, it, I guess Robertson would have to be a part of the Chikrin deal. I can see that being a perfect scenario for both guys. Chikrin coming here, becoming a nice second option behind Riley, and then you have Robertson. Go crazy. Go play with Barrett Hayden and Keller on the top line and uh, just go from there. But moving on, I want to quickly talk more about the NHL. I want to talk about Patrick Laine. This guy has been on a freaking tear recently. And uh, I want to say a year ago, I was saying, dumbass me, I was saying that Nikolai Ehlers is potentially better than Line. And you could probably still argue that. But I'll start with Pinello. I know you love both the – I know you love Winnipeg's Ehlers. Yeah, I know you love Patrick Line. Are you surprised with how great Patrick Line has been lately? Or did you think he was just hiding this for a couple of years? Uh, I don't know if he was hiding it. I think he just has trouble bringing it out on a consistent basis. Um, you guys remember when the fucking trade went down? Um, Chris and Alino, you're like, yeah, we expected this to happen. And I'm just, I was fucking baffled. I could not believe it. I'm like, Line is fucking amazing. He's got that type of talent in him where he could get 40, 50 consistently. He's just got to try to unlock it. I'm not saying this is the next coming of him, but... Um, you see flashes of it, and he's got a shot in Columbus now. He's clearly the fucking most important player, along with Wierenski. But, um, yeah, I think it'll continue to come in stretches. He's that type of streaky player. It's up and down, but the talent's there, man. It's never going to go away. He could fucking rip it with the best of them. Yeah, I think like he's there. What Panarin was all those years ago uh, comes in and – just look at this dangle by Patrick Line. Good lord, going in. And oh yeah, boom. Good old New Jersey <laughs> through the legs. <laughs> I don't know what player that was. He put it through, but they're probably gonna see some bench after that. But yeah, Patrick Line. Uh, he, he remember that first year he had. He was being talked about with the Vetchkin as a guy that could be the next great goal scorer. So, like he does have flashes of it. Like Pinello said, like it's just bringing it out consistently. But if uh, Columbus can be more consistent, get a playmaker that can feed him the puck all the time. It's not crazy to think he can't average 40 to 50 every year. Yeah, and the crazy thing with me is as soon as he gets his confidence going and he starts shooting the puck, because the last the last two months he's averaging about three shots a game, whereas I think last year or two years ago it was down to 1.8. He just wasn't engaged at all. I think it was a change of scenery too, going from Winnipeg, being the poster boy in Winnipeg, to go into Columbus where they just got rid of quite a bit there. And uh, like, I remember Columbus when they, when they, the famous Alino sweep, when they swept the the lightning, they had Panarin, <laughs> Duchesne, Bobrovsky, they had all those guys and they got rid of all of them. And now Liney's supposed to be the poster boy there. And at first, you know, a couple guys were a little worried, like, Oh, Liney's going to get traded. Like, he's going to be here one year. It's already been two years. And it looks like he's finally found his mojo. He has n- he had nine goals in ten games in February. I'm if I'm that division, and I know Pinello. I specifically said before the pod, if I'm Washington and the slump they've been in, I know they're not they're not worse than Columbus. But just at the, it's just the timing of the schedule. Columbus has been red hot. Their goaltender Merzlikens is finally healthy now. Do you guys see Columbus if Line continues to produce like that? Do you see them squeaking in somehow, maybe getting rid of a Washington or Boston, or do you think that's just not a possibility at this point? You want that one? Yeah, I don't see it. Like I know they've improved and their goalies. Obviously, we saw with the Leafs what they did to them. Like Elvis too oh. is another one, another stud <laughs> there. But I just think they're another year away from like really making that kind of jump in playoff production. But 
I think it's their maybe one playmaker. If they can get a playmaker at the deadline, like someone that can come in and play with line A and get the best out of them, then maybe. But right now, I just don't see it. Also, like Columbus has a ton of fucking injuries. It's yeah. another thing. Uh, like the Warrenski's been out for a little while. Corpusalo's been on the shelf a bit. Boykfist is in and out of the lineup. It's to, I'll say no, just because there is still a little bit of a gap. They did fight back because they were fucking a little, they were kind of out of it before. But um, yeah, there's like 30 games left or so. So like they would, I, I feel like they'd have to win like 22 out of the 30 games just to get in. And with Washington and Boston, they'd have to lose a good chunk too. So kudos for them for not giving up. I like everyone on this team. Everyone's solid. They're just, I don't, I don't think they're quite there yet. Okay, yeah, that's fair. I mean, i i want to I want to say if they do make it, that's the narrative of the year for sure. Just the resurrection of Line A. Just you see his mojo. He when he's on, oh my god, man, he's a problem. Like another guy that is kind of similar. The results are not coming as quick, but Jack Hughes recently, holy shit, man, he's looking like a problem. And I, I'll start with you, Alino. I know. You, maybe you, you're not as well known with Jack Hughes, but I've seen the last couple Devils games, and this guy, man, he has been a flat-out problem. In terms of five-on-five, five, this guy is probably a top-ten player when you think of scoring and the offensive chances he creates for that low-scoring Devils team. Can you imagine if he had a line mate like a Thomas Hurdle? I really don't know what the Devils could be, but Nico Heischer's production has gone up because specifically of Jack Hughes. I'll ask you first, Alino. What do you see Jack Hughes being in the next couple of years? Do you see him being a perennial superstar? Do you see him being uh, just a pretty good first liner? What do you see from from that youngster, Jack Hughes? I think he could be both. It's just gonna come down to also who he plays with. Like, I think a good comparable, maybe a Barzell, like someone like that, come in and get a lot of points. But you're not gonna be like considered top five in the league. But you're still gonna be among the best playmakers. So. Like, I think you should look at that as an example. Uh, Braden Point's another one that comes to mind, like with like skill, like something like that, where if Hughes has the right surroundings, like I'd like the hurdle uh, trade if he comes in, but you'd have to think they'll probably want Heeshear to uh, go back to San Jose if they want to rebuild. But oh, other that. than that, <laughs> yeah, like other than that, I just don't, I don't see him being a top five player, but obviously it could change. It's just going to come down to who he plays with in the future. Uh, for the next couple years, I think he'll just keep doing his thing. I like the Matt Barzell comparison. I, I'm on par with that. I feel like Hughes can probably shoot it a little better. Maybe over it, that's just me projecting. We'll see. Might be more of a goal scorer, but I like Jack. He's coming into his own this year. I don't think really anyone expected much out of the Devils. Uh, as long as Hughes and Heesher can stay healthy pretty much the whole year and see what they can do, I think that's what everyone was expecting for a Devils fan, but you got to think long-term with this team. Those are the two pillars for the future. Jack Hughes is showing why he's the poster boy. And uh, for the next couple of years, Chris, I'll say in like the 65 to 75 range with potential for more. Yeah, because right now he's at 39, 34, very small sample size. You know, he dislocated his shoulder. He was out six, six to eight weeks early in the year, but Alino, I don't think they're ever going to trade Heischer. I don't, I don't see that happening. That would be, that would be like a Tyrese Halliburton. <laughs> it's kind of out, out of left field. But transition now, I'm going to go to the NBA real quick because the Lakers have won three games in their last 10. You have Lakers players yelling at fans, calling them, you know, names and shit. Trevor Ariza, man, I don't, I don't know. What what's his deal? He's calling a fans bitches and shit. I don't I don't know what's going on there. But that loss to the Pelicans was flat out ugly. They lost by twenty eight points. LeBron James didn't look good. Westbrook didn't look good. Um, they just had they, that game was so bad that they released DeAndre Jordan after that game. I know they're in the play in round right now, but do they realistically have a shot of not making the playoffs? Um, oh man, I want to say, yeah, I think they will stay in, but realistically they could miss because, um, 
Yeah, like the NHL, like they're about halfway through, a little more. They're a little more through on now. Um, yeah, because the Pelicans have been rolling in, honestly, the fucking trailblazers. Everyone over there is motivated. They're young. No one really, they, they're kind of, blo- they're definitely blowing it up. They're not kind of doing anything. Uh, no, they're young guys. They're, they got something to prove. So they're they're all playing their fucking hearts out. And with the Lakers, I mean, they're all tied in points right now. It's kind of now or never. So it looks really fucking stupid if they fall out. But realistically, when you look at the standings and how everyone's playing, they definitely could. Oh, yeah. I don't see them making the playoffs this year. And it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they spin it all in the media, who they blame. And obviously, Westbrook's going to be the guy that comes to mind. Uh, he's going to be the scapegoat in all this. Anthony Davis, everyone's going to ignore that he's injured every other week. But, uh, yeah, he's getting up there. He's a good player, right? So uh, they have to address that issue, uh, being healthy. Maybe they got to bring a new performance, athletic train or whatever the hell that's called, to come in the room and make sure these guys are healthy. But, uh, yeah, Westbrook's going to probably take all the blame and uh he is making i think 47 million dollars next year so jesus yeah it's not gonna look good like i don't even know who you can trade westbrook for you would just have to buy him out i think like straight up like how do you even package that trade or package him in a trade and expect to get like someone valuable in return well it's a it's hilarious because when we did the trade deadline podcast video apparently the lakers actually went out and offered Westbrook for Wall, and apparently, <laughs> apparently the Wizards also wanted a first for that. So that's how bad Russell Westbrook's contract is. Forty-seven million. I agree with you, Alino. I don't see anybody re- like genuinely looking at Westbrook's contract and saying, "I want that on my on my cap." Like nobody is doing that, unless maybe you're you know who I'm going to say, the freaking owner on the Knicks, because he does not know what the hell he's doing. He never has. But the Pelicans, I agree with Pinello. The Pelicans, even though they're in 10th place, they're not a 10th place team. They're not playing like a 10th place team. McCollum is looking rejuvenated. He's having a career stretch right now. JV, we all, we all love JV on this podcast. He's a beauty. And then, of course, Brandon Ingram is just consistently that second option now. And, I mean, holy shit, Anthony Simons. That guy drains five threes a freaking game. Josh Hart is looking incredible. Nurkic, I think he just got hurt, but before that, averages of 15, 12, and 6. So Portland is hungry. The Pelicans are hungry. I don't see the same for the Lakers. They're, they're yelling at their fans. There's a lot of excuses. Apparently, I don't know if it's true or not, but LeBron is going after Palinka, wants him out. <laughs> now, I've heard I've heard so many baffling things on ESPN. I'll start with you, Piniello, because I know you've watched the videos. Do you go full on emergency panic button? I gotta just get the hell out of here and trade Anthony Davis, or do you run with LeBron and AD for next year? Because as of right now, it's been a complete mixed bag, and I don't even know what to believe anymore with this franchise. Uh, with Davis. I mean, regardless of the player, I don't know. I would always, like, I would listen, especially for Davis. I would listen on calls. I wouldn't actively be fucking trying to trade him. Because, like, if you actively, like, if you go out saying Anthony Davis, yeah, we don't want him anymore, then clearly something's wrong. I know everyone knows he has injury issues, but if you just go on the record like that saying we don't want this guy, fuck, I don't know. But, like, obviously everyone knows he's an amazing talent. I would listen on calls for him because he does play half the year. He's superstar when he's in, but it's not always reliable. I'm not saying blow it up, but if, like, if the discussion's there, why not have it? Yeah, I agree. If, like, you're able to make it work cap-wise, I'd definitely look to trading for him. Yeah, and, like, the, the funniest thing, too, with this team is – they're barely playing Talon Horton Tucker. And two years ago when he was in the bubble, the guy looked like almost a future superstar. And maybe not superstar, but a great second, third option. And uh, Frank Vogel has not capitalized on Horton Tucker's talents. Clearly, he's only averaging about 25 minutes a game. Carmelo Anthony, for some insane reason, I love, you know, you, Pinel, you know I love Carmelo Anthony, one of my favorites ever. 
But there's no way this guy should be playing more than Talon Horton Tucker, at least right now. There is no way. Even a guy like Malik Monk, who's basically the only bright spot this year on this team, him and obviously LeBron James averaging 29 points a game. But Malik Monk is only playing about 26 minutes, and he's scoring like 13 in those 26 minutes. So if the stats speak for themselves, do you maybe put Malik Monk as a starting shooting guard? Because at this point, you got you to gotta diddle with the lineup. I know we've heard Russell Westbrook coming in off the bench. You have Avery Bradley start at point guard, LeBron James at point guard. And, of course, Pinello, I'll start with you, our boy Stanley Johnson, now a <laughs> member of this team. He's been an absolute rock defensively, but their defensive rating is still bottom 10 in the league. Just There's so many question marks with this team. I guess I'll start with Pinello. Anthony Davis getting traded, is that more likely than not? Because ESPN has said, yeah, if I'm, if I'm Palenka, I'm trading him, no doubt about it. It's easier said than done, though. Because I feel like AD is at a point. He's averaging 23. Last year, he averaged 21. Yes, he's barely played. He's played 37 games. Westbrook's played 60. Hasn't missed a game. But I feel like the the potential is just – it's so big. Because what Paul George got in a trade, can you imagine what AD could get? Oh, man. Well, it should be much more. It definitely will be. (laughs) He's got to get a good string of games going together. Davis, because how old is he now? 28? Maybe he's not 28. Even. Yeah, he's 28. Yeah. He's right in the fucking middle of it. And, like, and you know how much I love Davis. I th- Fuck, man. He's a superstar. It pisses me off that he plays half the year. But um, they could get a killing for him. I don't know. Yeah. Who would you think, like, would be the one to go up there and offer a trade that would uh, maybe convince him to leave the Lakers? Oh, man. Uh, it's tough. I want to say the Celtics, the Celtics have a good shot, but (laughs) if you're, if you're the Celtics, do you really want to split up Brown and Tatum the way they've been playing this year? I really don't know. It's, it's tough. Yeah. See, there you go. No, it's, it's tough. How about (laughs) you're going to laugh. How about the Timberwolves? (laughs) Oh man. They got assets. They got assets. Okay. D'Lo making a Lakers reunion. I think everybody wants that. (laughs) Can't even keep. I got to laugh. That's just, that's not happening. But yeah, in terms of AD, uh, Alino, I have no clue where he would go. But all I know (laughs) is the package would have to be monumental. (laughs) I think he either uh, goes to the Bulls or walks as a free agent to the Bulls. Hometown team. Yeah, hometown boy. Oh, man. Wait, so okay, you have Vucevic in the five, Davis in the four? Good luck. Oh, Jesus. fuck that. I don't want to play them. Okay, now, Alino, you say Chicago. Let's say he doesn't walk. Let's say the Lakers aren't patient enough with that. What the hell is the return from the Zach Bulls Levine. roster? Zach, Zach Levine. Levine. Oh, man. Straight up? I, yeah, because then you would have Lonzo, DeMar, and then a back, a front court of uh, Vucevic and Davis. And they get a score of the Lakers to do whatever, play with LeBron, good luck, and uh, hopefully turn into a good player and a good pro. She get Lonzo back. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't think they would accept Levine for Davis, even though Levine is three years younger than him. I feel like maybe Lonzo and Levine for, for Davis. Maybe that could happen. You got to get, um, you got to throw Kobe White in there probably. And package it around him, I think. Maybe, yeah. Or a Patrick Williams. It depends. But um, I do like that starting point there with Levine. That, that, I mean, you think about it, that sounds pretty good. If they really wanted to switch it up, would you trade an AD to maybe Phoenix? Oh, shit. Oh, for Aiden? Maybe like Aiden, Bridges, a first, something like that. I think I would need Aiden back. Yeah, that's risky because Phoenix already beat the Lakers with AD and they had Aiden on the team. So it's like they're or they know how to beat the Lakers and they're basically saying, yeah, we want to be the Lakers now and lose to DeAndre Aiden. 
it's just such a gamble, these types of moves. I know, but the thing is, we have to start talking about it because they're not seeing results at all, <laughs> at all. So, at all. I mean, I thought I said it like I thought they would be a top top five team, no doubt about it. And it just has not worked out. Ball, uh, like you get rid of Lonzo Ball, you get rid of Alex Caruso. Those are the two, one of the two top defensive point guards in the Eastern Conference, no doubt about it. They've elevated uh, Chicago, them two, and DeRozan specifically this year. We all know what Vooch and Levine bring to that team, but we did not know that DeRozan would do this. We did not know that Caruso would be that important off the bench. But, yeah, man, it's not looking good in L.A. I had to bring it up to start basketball. But now we're going to go to the Raps. Um, they came back from the All-Star break, and they looked absolutely awful. I'll start with the Charlotte game. They lost by 28. Or, sorry, they lost by 32. And then against the Hawks, they lost by 27. I was texting you guys. I think I was texting Pinello throughout the game. Like, just Siakam. Oh, my God. I don't know what was going on. His shots were not going in. Um, even in Atlanta, I know Malaki Flynn. I know Precious has gotten a lot more playing time with OG Ananobi out. But, guys, I need to talk about one of the few bright spots in this last these last four games. It's Scotty Barnes, man. This guy is going to be a flat-out problem. When it, does it get to the point where Scotty Barnes is so freaking good that we have to forcefully probably trade Siakam or OG? Because what I saw in the last two games against Brooklyn, he could just flat-out dominate himself. I don't want to fucking hear it yet. We're, we're rolling right now. We're in the good times. I don't want to think about trading one of our forwards. Well, you know what? It could be coming soon. <laughs> I, wouldn't, I wouldn't look at those Brooklyn games, though, and be like, that's the reason why. Because Scotty was, they were giving Scotty the matchups on, like, fucking Patty Mills, and he was just going to work on them. But, yeah, when you do see him work, holy shit, you get, like, young Giannis vibes. Buddy taking three, four steps up the court and fucking dunking the ball and he just does so much out there he's such a raw talent uh, i think down the line yeah if, if when they look to extend him there could be some issues but um yeah the day og or pascal or whatever the fuck they do leave that's it's gonna fucking it's gonna mess the team up a little yeah i wouldn't trade them at all uh keeping them in the luxury tax uh keep it as long as you could and uh hopefully you never have to trade them but unless it's like uh move where like someone's going to offer you something that's going to improve like an MVP caliber player for both of them, then I would consider it. But yeah, I think everyone knows that uh, Scotty Barnes is eventually going to take over and be the leader of this team. So it's inevitable. Kind of like when Siakam emerged with Kawhi and Van Vliet started coming up under Lowry, like they'll have their time, but uh, stretch it out a little bit once uh, they're in their mid thirties. You know, the fucking the best part about all of this is that they don't even run run plays for Scotty at all. They really don't pass him the fucking ball. No, they don't. G Gary Trent takes 14, 15 shots a game. Fanfully takes about like 18. Siakam takes about 18. Yeah, you're right. They don't really run a lot of plays for Scotty, and he's still averaging 15 points a game. To me, he's rookie of the year right now. I, I, I don't want to pump his tires too, too much. But as of right now, I think Scotty Barnes is the 1A, Mobley's the 1B, and Kate is third. And uh, Franz Wagner's probably fourth. But other than that, Scotty Barnes, man, his ceiling, oh, my God. I I really don't know where it is because I think he's going to break the ceiling. I, I, I have so much hope for this guy. Now, I want to talk about Van Fleet because his knee, I don't know what's going on, man. He's been out for – it's been – it's been lingering, I feel like, for a year. I feel like he hasn't really taken care of this injury. He's still averaging career numbers in 21.4 points per game. But if you're the Raptors come maybe April, maybe later on in the month, and you don't really see him getting the numbers and maybe becoming 100% healthy, are, are you getting a little worried going into the playoffs? Or do you think they're just going to maybe – have him suck it up, go hard, and then maybe do it in the offseason. Because, man, I don't know. This this knee injury, I feel like it's it's been lingering for too long. Uh, I'll say, um, yeah, I'd probably be worried. <laughs> I mean, obviously you want him to rest up and get better, but with the, with the team that we have constructed and given who we're going to play, 
we need Fred Van Fleet at 100%. And we need Pascal at 100 and OG and all those guys. We need them to be going. So if we go into the playoffs and Fred's not there, let's say, worst case scenario, as much as I love Malachi Flynn and maybe they'll put Scotty B in the point guard sometimes, it's just, it's a big fucking shot. So, uh, yeah, I love Fred. They need him. So, yeah, a little worried. A little worried. Yeah, I think a week before the playoffs, just uh, manage his minutes. Like, don't give him 30 a game. Go to, like, 20 and then, like, rest them a few games before. So, I think we'll probably see if it lingers that long. They'll probably, two weeks before, we'll start seeing him less and less in the lineup. And then, hopefully, come playoff time, he can be 100% again. Now, I want to talk about that game last night, though. Uh, Goran Dragic, and he played two games with us, five games with us, started two of them. You know how that went down. He wanted out. We all know he wanted out. What were your initial thoughts? Do you think he deserved to get all those boos, or do you think we were kind of being a little petty there? Ooh. I'll go with the petty one, honestly. <laughs> well, because, I, I, like, I, uh, yeah, yeah. You know, because he, like, again, I want to say when we first started doing this podcast, he was probably one of the most res- respected players in the league. So oh, yeah. I, I, I actually saw some highlights last night, and I saw one guy specifically, when Goran Dragic went in the game, he was clapping for him. And he was saying, you know what, like, no matter what, yeah, he didn't want to be here. We respected it. But this guy has been in the league for a very long time. For goodness sake, he played with freaking Steve Nash. That's how long Dragic has been in the league. He was one of the most respected. I don't know if it's just our fan base. I don't know if other fan bases don't like him. But I feel, I feel like maybe it might have been a little much. But we are we are a rowdy fan base. We're very rowdy, very passionate. I, uh, I mean, yeah, I expected it to happen. But at the same time, Lee, I knew it was happening. I was laughing like crazy. But, like, it was literally just from that initial day when he got here. I don't know if things were taken out of context. I don't even remember what he said exactly. But when you look at where the Raptors were going into this season and for him to come over here, like I'm not really mad at him. He's 35 years old. He probably wants to win a fucking championship. Like the Raptors are a little better than expected than everyone was thinking. But, you know, it is what it is. But for the fans to boom like that, it it was kind of funny. It's a little petty, but I saw it coming. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of petty. Like, poor guy, he's at the end of his career. Like, I'm sure when he got traded, I didn't think anybody considered the Raptors a contender. So it's understandable. Maybe he could have handled it differently. And, like, it's different from Kawhi because Kawhi's in his prime when he came here and they were expected to get over the hump with him in the lineup. With Dragic, it's like, yeah, be a mentor. I don't think he was down with that. Maybe he should have said, yeah, I'll play, like, 10 games, 15 games, and... uh after that, before the holidays, if you can buy me out, that would be nice. And we can uh, go our separate ways. But I think the way they handled it all didn't do him any justice. I uh, could have handled it differently, and I think he would have been better received. But, yeah, I think he saw it coming. Like, I don't think it'll be uh, like a five-game thing. Like, every time he comes to Toronto, he'll get booed. I think it's just one of those things. He's part of the history. Like, played a few games, didn't work out, and he left. I, uh, I low-key, though. Chris, I don't know about you. I low-key didn't want him to leave. I knew everyone kind of expected it just because. Didn't want him to leave. No. Look at our team. Our team is beautifully constructed. We're set up for the future. I think we have an idea of what we're going to be. But, uh, like, there's no fucking veterans here. There's not one 30-year-old. So, come playoff time, like, yeah, even if he's playing fucking 12 minutes a game, you can use a a guy like the Dragon on the fucking bench there. Yeah, and uh, I'll, I'll quickly end uh, the Raptor talk with these two guys because they've been battling for minutes, and it's Precious Achua and Chris Boucher. Boucher's averaging 20. Precious is averaging 23. Precious has actually started in 23 games this year. Boucher's only started in eight. Now, we saw last year what Boucher was able to do. Very limited minutes. He was a fantasy monster, but Precious Achua, man, we get him in the Kyle Lowry trade, and he's looking like – he could really play, and he was in the Rising Stars game. He looked great. If you're the Raptors, is it a foregone conclusion that, unfortunately, Slim Duck may be out of town now with Precious Achua's recent play? Um, I'll say yeah. 
And um, I don't even know if it's because of Achua. I just think it's it might be Boucher's time. Like, he's been here for a while. The guy just turned 30 years old, I think, a few weeks ago. He's a good player. He's a player. He could play on a lot of teams in this league and contribute. But for us, um, I think Precious is, what, 22 years old? Yeah, I like his game a lot. He probably fits in well, better with our system, the way we're going. But, like, you look at Boucher the last few years, he's really improved on his shot. Like, I can't imagine where he'd be if he didn't improve on his three-point shot the last few years, honestly. So, like, I fucking love Chris Boucher. But, uh, yeah, Precious might be the one going forward. Yeah, Precious, I think, has more upside right now. And, like, I think if it's not this year, then next year we'll probably see more of, like, talk of Precious being the starter uh, coming in and getting more minutes. And because they probably have to make a decision there. Like, you can use a veteran. Like, they don't have any veterans. And I think that position, if you can move a Boucher and get that kind of player in there, I think it would make sense. So there's probably something we'll see going to the draft and free agency. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely interesting to monitor for sure. Boucher was a great story. He, Like you mentioned, his three-point shooting, even this year, it's gone down from last year. Last year was at about 36, this year 28. But it's going to be interesting. Our team is set up pretty nicely right now. The only position is the center spot, and Precious Achua can play that. He's 22 years old. Do you take the cheap option and keep him, or do we – still come the summer, do you see us still going out there and getting that big center? Because the market is getting, it's getting pretty big for centers now. Uh, there's a lot of centers out there that maybe do want new scenery. What if Masai just fucking blew it up and traded for Davis? <laughs> oh, man. Imagine. I don't see it. I don't see it. <laughs> All right. Um, what centers, though? Because, like, <laughs> give me some names here. Well, I know for sure. I saw an article the other day that Christian Wood is not happy in uh, in Houston. So, I mean, if I'm the Raps, I'm circling his name for sure. Uh, the, uh, the cheaper option, Demarcus Cousins. He's looking pretty damn solid off the bench, but he's not going to start. He's not a starter by any means. I I, I want to say a guy, dude. It's crazy to say, but it looks like the Atlanta Hawks are having trouble with John Collins. It looks like the, the contract talks are not going well there. So if I'm the if I'm Masai, work your magic, try and go and get John Collins, and we're probably immediately a top five team in the East next year if we get him. So those are a couple names that I've seen. I don't know so much in the West, but I know those those three specifically right now they're they're available. I'm pretty sure. What the hell does John Collins want that Atlanta can't make it work? I think it's it's due to the fact that Gallinari and Bogdanovich are making so much money. And I feel like, again, if you're John Collins, you're younger, you're better, probably wants what AD's making. If that guy's available, oh, man, I would put the Raps and the, uh, and the Celtics in that one to at least make a push for it. So those, those are the – it still boggles my mind. He shouldn't be available, honestly. But, yeah, I think the Raps and the Celtics should go for Collins if that's the case. How about a guy like Mitchell Robinson? That guy was bow, man. Boom. I don't even know what he is yet. <laughs> He's like a poor man's go bear. <laughs> How about JV? Reunite him on the Raptors. Well, that would be fun. Too good to be true, though, but that would be fun. I think I would, um, I would take a – I'd take a stab at Robinson, though, because I don't think they'd want too much at him. And um, I, I think the general idea out there is that he's he hasn't performed up to what people think. But the Raptors have serious fucking issues with rebounding because we got Pascal in the five at times. So Robinson could be a quick fix. Yeah, they're also in a vulnerable spot, the Knicks, because we've been talking about it. They're rumored to get Zion. They're rumored to blow it up. Oh, Robinson man. is probably one of those guys on the way out. So if we're the Raps, capitalize with those rebounds because, like you mentioned, Precious Achua is not the greatest rebounder. Chris Boucher is not the best rebounder. We need more from them. Like B- B- Precious is only averaging like 6.5 rebounds. I think our best rebounder is Siakam at 8, but even there's some That's games Siakam can't get aboard some games. So, yeah, 
we need that consistent rebounder, and I think Robinson would be solid for sure. Uh, if the yeah, Knicks like traded though, like do they even have the cap to like match whatever it would take? Like, don't they have uh, Kemba Walker's deal still on the for the next couple of years? Well, the, the the beautiful thing about the NBA is you can buy him out or you can trade him because he's already disgruntled. He, his contract is basically confirmed to be off the books next year. Now, I don't know what the hell they're doing with Cam Reddish. They're not playing him. If I'm the Knicks, honestly, I might be firing uh, Tom Thibodeau. I'm not even going to lie. And I love, Th- I love Thibodeau. I love Thibs. What he's done. Derek Rose ever since going down. Holy shit. Team's been a train wreck. Julius Randle basically going from a savior in the city to now the, the freaking dark cloud, giving the, the fans the thumbs down. This team is in a bad spot, man. That's why I, I do think they're going to blow it up regardless of the cap space or not. I think they're really, they're just going to take a chance, kind of like what Houston did. I just feel like they're going to take that. They're going to go that direction as soon as next year. Would you think uh, there's any chance they fuck it up and they trade RJ Barrett, the one guy they're not supposed to trade? If Halliburton gets traded, I wouldn't be surprised if Barrett got traded. That's all I'm going to say. Because, <laughs> like, I think I think Randall's great, and wherever he is, he will put up stats, no doubt. But to me, that's R.J. Barrett's team. I don't really give a shit what anyone on ESPN says. They fucking pump Randall's tires. Barrett's the future. He's always been. He keeps getting better. That's the fucking guy. If the one thing Nick's got to do is not trade him, they're going to go out and fuck the whole team up. That's my yeah. opinion. Yeah, That's yeah I agree. Definitely. <laughs> you can't okay, hear. I will end this podcast with one of the funniest segments I saw on Raw. I saw my buddy Edge. Last week he hinted that he wants to face a phenomenal opponent. And uh, this week, he just loses his mind. His damn marbles. We see vintage Edge here. 2009, 2008 crazy Edge taking on The Undertaker. That's what I got. That's exactly the edge I got here. We got what I've always wanted, Pinello. We got the double turn on Raw. AJ Styles is now looking like the baby face. Alina, we've been harping on it for months. Why is AJ still the heel? Make this guy the face. He's finally going to be a face in a marquee match with Edge at WrestleMania. I just, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the podcast. What the hell are your thoughts on this? Because just like last year, we're getting another Edge Dream match for Chris. Let's get it. Yeah. Man. I mean, Edge said it in his promo. It's WrestleMania time, and he's got nothing going on. So I think that was the best opportunity to cut a vintage Edge promo and turn heel. So seeing that shit happen kind of set me back 15 years. Thought I was a little kid again. Uh with AJ Styles might be the perfect fucking opponent. I mean, there's a lot of perfect opponents for people out there, but I mean, I'm sure Edge has been daydreaming for years about going one-on-one with AJ Styles, and now they're going to have a fucking crowd to do it, not like the last couple years. So, um, uh, yeah, the build for that's going to be amazing. The double turn's always fun. Oh, it's incredible. Can't wait. Yeah, I think it's a perfect fit here because Edge, he was always saying he wanted to wrestle AJ, so he gets his wish, and at least we're going to get a good uh, build-up to it. I know it would have been okay with the face versus face, but Edge is a heel. Look at his face. (laughs) (laughs) This is what we're going to see now going into WrestleMania, so I'm all for it, and uh, I think they'll still have it. Regardless who wins, I think they'll both be protected in a way where like whoever loses a match won't be like going down the card and their career will be done so i think they'll uh probably steal the night if they're on night one and night two and if they are on night two it could be interesting but yeah aj and edge solid build and should have a solid match i'm gonna end by saying this aj styles edge probably match of the night at wrestlemania but does this aj styles face turn catapult him back up to the main event scene after this program is over. Cause man, I see it. I smell it. I see AJ versus Roman down the line and I can't wait. I, that's my pick. I don't know. Do you guys see him maybe 
going to the catapulting all the way back up to vintage AJ Styles 2017 or what? Oh, man. I fucking hope so. I'm not going to say he's been floating the last little while. He's been doing good work, but he hasn't really been, you know, in that prime time spot. If he's got a fucking month or so to, to deal with Edge and put on some sick work, I don't know how that doesn't catapult him, honestly. So I'm going to say yes to that. Yeah, I'll say yes to that. I think uh, finally turning face, like he was in that whole tag team thing with almost, I think that lasted too long. Should have split them up at the draft, but uh, after this, I think uh, he might go to SmackDown or Edge will go to SmackDown and can finally see AJ uh, as a face again in the big programs, but uh, just speaking of a big program that can steal the show, you know what other match is going to steal the show at uh, WrestleMania? Right there. <laughs> oh, yeah. There it I don't, is. Last week, uh, <laughs> on Friday before SmackDown, it was like all these reports coming out, like Pat McAfee, he's going to maybe be in a program at WrestleMania, and then same day, they all uh, say Vince McMahon is getting back in the ring and uh, linked to Pat McAfee. How do you think this match is going to go down? And uh, I guess they're starting it tomorrow on his podcast, so he'll probably punch him in the face to set it up, but how do you think this match goes? Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Um I'll be terrified, honestly, watching it. I'll be, I'll be laughing. I'll, it's going to be a, a fun ride for sure, but the man is 76 years old now. So uh, I know he's probably he's probably still jacked to shit. It's Vince McMahon. He's been jacked forever. I'll never forget the WrestleMania 22 bout. He was way bigger than Sean, like way bigger. It was freaking hilarious seeing that. But, yeah, this is almost – what that's 16 this is 16 years later and the last time i remember him taking a bump it was to brock lesnar the f5 and pretty sure he got injured after that he was out for quite a bit so <laughs> i i know i know pat mcafee has no experience i hope he's really really training hard here but even if it is a botch fest let's be honest we're in it for the freaking laughs it's vincent kennedy mcmahon hey you know what though pat had his stuff with adam cole before that was good shit down in the fucking third brand. Woo. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a comedy special, but I just, I want to see Austin Theory come out and I just want to see him pick up Vince on his shoulders and fireworks going off. And both of them smiling ear to ear <laughs> with the do rag on <laughs> like, like how Drew did it to Shane at crown jewel or whatever that, like that. <laughs> oh my God. Do you think we'll, uh, see this actually go down or like, I don't even know where they can go after this thing's done. Like, does Austin Theory have to step in? Like, what are your expectations of where this leads to? All I, I know is Pat Mac- Pat McAfee's winning. He's winning this. <laughs> he's no, I, I don't mean he's winning the match. I just mean in general, he's winning. Like, he, he's getting the attention. He's getting the spotlight. Sharing a ring with Vince at Mania, the guy that built it. Like, that's huge for Pat McAfee. It's great for him. He's been great at his job, you know. Making doing his podcast, doing all the the little work, and we don't understand how hard that guy works. I guess traveling everywhere just just to make content. So Pat McAfee's a true legend. Uh, for him to get in the spot, whether he's facing Vince, whether he's facing Theory, whether he's facing both, I, I really don't know. But I'll, I'll say Vince wins the match. But yeah, overall, Pat McAfee, the true winner here. I feel like Vince just loves Pat so much. So he's like, fuck it. I want to do a program with him. I don't care how we get there. I don't care what we do after. I just want to work with this guy. Because the fact that Pat McAfee got Brock Lesnar to do a fucking one-hour podcast, I never thought I'd see Brock Lesnar on any podcast. He must be a pretty likable guy backstage. I don't know anyone that dislikes Pat McAfee. So, you know, I, I honestly don't care who wins or loses. Like, these, this, this whole situation is hilarious. Everyone wins. Do you put this on night one? Or, like, let's say Stone Cold's wrestling again. Do you have it on the same night as that? Do you think that would overshadow it? That would be perfect. Because they've been linked forever. I feel like it would be appropriate to maybe separate Austin and uh, McMahon if they're on the same show. But it would also... You could also counter-argue counter that in saying, well, you could even maybe put them back-to-back segments. You could maybe even... 
before Vince McMahon leaves, let's say he wins the belt, Stone Cold's music could hit, and he could just start walking down, and he could just meet Vince McMahon halfway. You have the cameras rolling. That's another WrestleMania moment right there. They haven't seen each other in a, I mean, at a WrestleMania in freaking, I don't even, I don't even want to count how many years, maybe 20 years. So that would be a story in itself. But you say Stone Cold's wrestling at WrestleMania. Who the hell is he, who the hell is he going to feud with? Kevin Owens, buddy. Looks like it got started. Stunner versus Stunner. I like it. There it is. That's freaking massive for Kevin Owens. Holy shit. Nice. That's another one, too. That won't be a long one. That's for the entrances. And look at me. I'm taking on Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then, boom, I'm getting stunned. Took a solid bump, and it's over. Good shit. Now we got to cut the shit. Because now AJ Styles has his moment. He's now the baby face. You get Kevin Owens now feuding with potentially Stone Cold. There's one guy left that I that you guys all know who I'm going to bring up now. He doesn't have a WrestleMania match. Pinello titled him Mr. WrestleMania. Seth freaking Rollins. What the hell is this guy going to do? Oh, man, it won't matter because whatever it is, it's going to be five-star. Love the confidence. Maybe uh, <laughs> insert himself in the main event. Or oh, yeah, he faces Cody. That's the only thing I can <laughs> think of. He gets those matches, though, Seth. He would face Cody. Those one-on-one interpromotional bullshit-type matches. Batista versus Umaga. WrestleMania 24. <laughs> interpromotional. Like, you put on the clinic with Cesaro. You put on the clinic with Triple H. You put on the clinic with KO the other year. Fuck, throw him anyone. Oh, my gosh. I would love to see open. Cody... I'd love to see Cody before Mania. Would it be the night after? Or right that's, what, that's what I want to see. I want to see the night after. But you never know. Could be before. There it is. Boom. But anyways, that was a nice podcast today. Very, very long. But we got this. This was episode 167. I'm here as always with Giancarlo Alino, Anthony Pinello. Signing off. Have a good one, boys. Till next time.